Cave me Falcha. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for August 16, 2023. Hello again, my name is Terrence O'Donnell and I'm returning to your digital village with more non-mainstream news from around the world and an op-ed about a specific topic that I hope will say, make you sit up and take notice. This once-a-week podcast is hosted on rss.com and is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and a few others. A little about me. I'm a senior citizen activist of Irish descent and a self-professed Shanghai, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting under your village oak tree where I'll give you headlines from news feeds and relevant blog articles. These stories are generally about climate change, racism, politics, and social injustice. Each article I give you will have a link to read in, in, its, in the piece, uh, you know, a link to read the whole piece in its entirety in the follow-up newsletters posted in medium.com and substack.com. And I also add them to the blog section of my website at Ankrambiha. There is more about my website in a little advert during the break. So I produced this podcast for free as a way to push people to get up and make a difference in our world before it gets too late to do anything. I also offer the option of donations in the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com where this show is hosted to help support my activism, much like passing a hat at the end of my visit. I'll be taking a small break once I've given you the headlines I've picked out for you this week, then I'll bring you the rant of the week. This week, I have a lot of climate change and environmental articles for you. I also have quite a few political and social injustice pieces to round things out. So now my first story for you this week comes from a, a Substack page called The Heated. It's from Emily, Emily Atkin. Eversource left the American Gas Association. These other climate-friendly utilities haven't. Self-proclaimed climate champions are paying hundreds of thousands every year to help the AGA push climate delay. So this is another example of corporate profit versus health environment. Screw the people. Keep the profits flowing. Seems that the only ones making it out here is the American Gas Association. They're raking in the money from the utility companies only to push out fossil fuel agendas, which only helps their bottom line. They don't really care about anybody but themselves. All about making them almighty dollars. So then a day or so later, she came out with another article, and this came out right after the fire in Lahaina over in Maui. And this is Lahaina used to be a wetland. Nature didn't turn a historic Hawaiian community into a tinderbox. People did. And this is again in her substack in the heated world. So in the, in the aftermath of this fire, indigenous Hawaiians are asking the government officials, why can't we use the new Green Deal money to reset the environment back to the way it was before all the colonials arrived at the turn of the 18th century? Europeans ruined it all with their quest for riches, and others are already salivating about using that money to rebuild the tourist traps and the wrong kind of agriculture that caused the land to be a fire trap in the first place. Let I mean, I think let the native Hawaiians decide what's best for the land for once. Get these greedy... I mean, there's another, there have been several other articles. I mean, this, this fire was big news all week long. But the big thing is, I read another article here, and I, either today or yesterday that talks about how developers are pushing really, really hard to turn all that burned land now into development stuff so they can make money. 
They don't care about the Native Hawaiians who lost all our homes. Homes. All they care about is turning that land into something they can make, make money off, most likely tourist dollars. I think they all should just be sent home. I mean, they're, all, they're already telling tourists, you know, and, and, and there's famous movie stars, you know, who are from there, who are telling tourists, stay home. Don't come here because there's, there's nothing for you to see. Stay home. Well, the same thing should be said to the developers. Stay home. And here's another article uh, from a different person. Uh, I got this article from Medium.com by Palmer Young. What I learned by writing a book about climate change. It's been a summer of records, but not in a good way. This is a well-researched piece on what we can all do to try and mitigate climate change. Some of this we already know, and there are some good points in here. And some of them I didn't even know about. I think you should read this and see what you can do to help. He's got a lot of good stuff in here, a lot of well-researched stuff about how you can help mitigate climate change in your own personal environment. And again, these articles are going to be available in the newsletters to read on your own. You can read the whole thing. So this one is a story from China. And if anybody knows about this, China has been hit with massive floods of late. And it's been wiping out communities left and right over there. People are dying, all kinds of stuff. So this one is from theguardian.com weather. Mudslide in northwestern Chinese city leaves 21 dead and six missing. Officials say 900 homes in Xi'an were left without power in disaster that struck after unusually high rainfall and typhoons. So it's just one of many stories lately coming out of northern China after two typhoons and some supercell thunderstorms have severely flooded the area. Climatologists are predicting more typhoons for this year, which could devastate the countries in the Far East even more. This is another example of worldwide climate change. And, you know, everybody's been going on all summer long about the heat, how hot it's been, 120 degrees, you know, 45 degrees Celsius and all kinds of stuff. Well, the opposite of that is all of these floods happening all over the world. A lot of it's from glacier melt. In northern China, not so much. But the typhoons are coming in left and right over there. And again, it's all because of the warming Pacific Ocean. This next one, global heating likely to hit world food supply before 1.5 Celsius, says UN expert. Water scarcity threatening agriculture faster than expected, warns COP15 desertification president. And this is another article out of The Guardian from Fiona Harvey. The world is likely to face major disruption to food supplies well before temperatures rise above the 1.5 C target, the president of the UN's desertification conference has warned as the impacts of climate crisis combines with water scarcity and poor farming practices to threaten global agriculture. He talks about how everything is being accelerated and food insecurity will drive even more migrations looking for food very soon. It's definitely worth reading this short article to learn more because that's the real deal. It's what's driving a lot of migrants north is lack of food and lack of water. You know, wars and everything else, that's true. But the poverty right now that's driving people out of sub-Saharan Africa is caused mostly by climate change, food and water scarcity. And they're going somewhere where they think they can find more. And this one is an ocean one. And this one came out of the grist.org, G-R-I-S-T.org. The ocean is shattering heat records. 
Here's what that means for fisheries. Marine heat waves can inject a lot of chaos as they remake ecosystems and cost coastal economies billions. So it's a story about climate change that you rarely hear much about, but it's made the news in separate articles in the last few months. I mentioned a couple here. The bottom line, the oceans are heating up as much as so much that it's causing fish die-offs by the millions. Humans eat a lot of fish, and the fish we depend on for our food, if it all dies off, millions of people will starve around the world. Forget about going to Costco for some cod to make fish and chips with. No more crabs and lobsters at Red Lobster. Or salmon. No more salmon in the grocery stores that the oceans get too hot. We're already seeing whale and shark migrations going towards cooler waters in the northern oceans. They follow the food. Some things like algae bloom might not kill the fish, but humans eating these fish can get sick. Stand by world. Our easy food supply is in serious danger. And this one here is actually a positive story. I got this one out of The Guardian, and it comes from the Isle of Wight off the coast of England, Scotland. This way of farming is really sexy, unquote, the rise of regenerative agriculture. On the Isle of Wight, Holly Fallick and Francesca Cooper are part of a movement to bring tired and depleted soil back to life and boost food security by Alexandra Topping. So here's a feel-good environmental article about regenerative agriculture, or regen ag as they're calling it, a way to sustainably manage farmlands to prevent the soil from going bad and provide a sustainable food source for the future. More and more farms in the UK and Europe are switching over, finding out that their profits are actually better. I mean, I hope it takes over in North America as well someday. Now leave it to the Europeans to show the Americans how it's done once again. And this one coming out of Montana. So a lot of you folks know some children in the state of Montana sued the state over their inability to provide them a stable, stable environment to live in. Well, this judge sided with them finally. And the article says judge sides with youth climate activists in first of its kind law, U.S. lawsuit. Montana fossil fuel permit policy deemed unconstitutional. And this came out of CBC.Canada. A win but not a win for the children activists in Montana. Of course, the GOP is going to appeal and they're denouncing the decision, but it's more of a symbolic win of anything. I think they should just keep charging. And there's some other, there's some other kids who are also suing their state governments over the same thing, Hawaii being one of them right, right now. And hopefully, if enough of these lawsuits coming from the younger generations start going through, more and more people are going to start taking notice of what all these corporations are doing to everybody. And this is, this is an article that I picked up out of BBC.com from Malaysia. Burning mangrove trees for a living. Quote, I'd quit tomorrow if I could, unquote. This is the story of the world. People living in the poorest nations are faced with knowing they are killing the planet versus starving if they don't. Their governments are so poor, they're unable to help, uh, so the, help so the cycle perpetuates. And what it talks about here in particular is that over in Indonesia, these people are forced to burn mangrove trees for charcoal and then sell the charcoal overseas, where that's the only market for it. But the problem is they don't like doing it. They're, you know, they know that they're devastating the mangrove forests over there, which are huge carbon sinks and plus good for the soil environment and everything else. But they don't have any choice because there's nothing else for them to make money off of to feed their families. Although there is a, one man who did quit. He's trying to make 
living off fishing, but he's not doing so good at it. The problem is the governments need to step up somehow and figure this out. They can't keep cutting down all these trees, especially on these island nations. Once they, once they deplete all the trees, it's bad news for everybody. National disgrace. Protest after tree estimated to be hundreds of years old cut down in Tasmania. Sustainable Timber Tasmania said the giant tree pictured on the truck had been assessed and felled for safety reasons, unquote. And this came out of the Guardian Australia. And I'm, this is by Adam Morton. And I'm crying BS. If you, re if you read this article, you'll say the same thing. It's another follow the money story about corporate interests versus environmental issues. Cutting down these hundreds of year old trees is only done for one reason. Selling off the wood. Corporations and nature states are, that are getting some on the side, they don't care about the forest and the animal habitat, habitats. You can't make any money that way. The vague answer is about safety. Don't fly. So, big thing is, here we go again. You have a 400, you know, what they estimate was a 400 plus year old tree that cut down for so-called safety reasons. Well, there's no evidence that the tree was causing a safety issue. It's way out in the middle of the deep forest. If it fell over, what's it going to hurt? A few other trees? So, what's the big deal here? Well, follow the money. All right, now I'm going to get into some political stuff. With Donald Trump, the Republican talisman again, should America's allies plan for the worst by Bruce Wolpe. Now, I got this one out of The Guardian, and it's an overseas article. It's not something you're going to see in the United States. President Trump redo could break the law, tear up treaties, and trample on basic rights. Time for hard thinking about what that could mean. And what he's talking about here is what that can mean for the rest of the world. So it's an opinion piece about what other countries are worried about if Trump becomes president again. They all have a right to be worried. He could seriously disrupt world order if he does what he says he wants to do. And they're scared. And we all should be. And this one is also about Trump. This came out of the HartmanReport.com about seven days ago. If Is Trump following the same well-worn path blazed by past terrorist leaders? No former president in American history has encouraged such violence or tried to inspire to stochastic terrorism. Outside the Confederacy, no politician has worked so hard to tear America apart. So this article is a forewarning of more to come as long as Donald Trump has a microphone or a social media platform to use. Read in heat, America. We'll likely see more of this before it ends one way or another. Hopefully it'll end in a good way. I really, really hope that they lock Trump up or at the very least make him ineligible to run for president. I mean, that would mean a huge amount for the United States and the rest of the world. And I put all of his stories together here. So I picked up another one of his this week. Is the Hunter slash Jared story a sinister Russian and Saudi operation? What if Hunter Biden's laptop and Jared Jared's billions are all part of the same story of a hand, handful of petrol states trying to end American democracy. Again, out of the Hartman.com report by Tom Hartman. So it's a good layout of what certain authoritarian leaders around the world want for the U.S. and how they plan to achieve it. We're close. I hope the American voters eventually see through all the smoke and mirrors and learn to see the truth. Not that any of the other GOP candidates are any better so far. And that's the big truth about this. The GOP has yet 
to show another candidate candidate worthy of running against Trump in, in a general election or in the primaries in this case. Nobody, nobody's even close. So what's going to happen to the GOP if Trump becomes ineligible to run for president? It's going to be a mad scramble and it's going to be an awful mess. Well, the problem is the Democrats don't, aren't really stepping up either. All they got is Biden. And although he's a nice guy, but he's 80 years old and he's stepping up to run for another four years. Everybody and their brothers care for his health. And he's a little weak on a few things. We seriously need a strong leader in the country here. Seriously. And this is my, this is another one I picked up from him. What America learned from cars and how to apply it to guns. And this is out of his hidden history of guns and the Second Amendment. And this came out of his book that he's writing. Uh, again, Isla Hartman, Dark, HartmanReport.com. So as a, my case, as a gun owner and former military, I could get behind this idea. The trouble is there are too many rednecks with no money who wouldn't because they don't want to admit that they're too broke to pay for a gun operator's license and liability insurance. Some are even too embarrassed to show up at a gun range to prove their proficiency because they know that they would fail. The idea, the ideas here would never pass in a GOP-controlled Congress anyway, especially at the state level. And, you know, what he talks about in his article here is basic things that we do for cars, like having, you know, to drive a car in the United States, you got to have a driver's license. You got to be able to prove that you can insure you and the car. Um, you don't, you know, you don't have any major, uh, what do you call it, uh, issues with the, with the law, I guess, one way to put it, so on and so forth. And you should, you should be, then you get authorized by the government to have a gun. Well, the other part of that is having a proficiency test. Well, with a car, you got to take a driver's test in order to get your first license. Uh, you should do the same thing with a gun. And my last one of his that I picked up this week, why billionaires fund anti-trans, anti-black history political movements. Why are Republicans across the nation insisting that the country's most severe problems are teaching black history and trans kids wanting to be recognized for who they are? And this just came out of his stuff today. Again, Hartman.com report, HartmanReport.com. Tom Harmon's been on a roll last few days because, as you know, I just read a few of his articles. Here's this morning's edition where he describes just what is wrong with American politics and where it's headed. I know where it's going, towards an autocratic and maybe theocracy and a complete breakdown of everything as we know it. And I'm telling you all right now, time is running out to bring the country back from the abyss. You have all, you got just a little over 12 months to get this done here, America, or else you're going to lose everything you ever, ever knew. And I've got another one. Now, getting away from Tom Harmon, I got this article I picked up, and it's been in a few news feeds. Police raid local Kansas newspaper office and homes of reporters. City's entire five-officer police force sees computers, cell phones, and reporting materials from Marion County Record. And this came out of the Guardian.com U.S. News by Ramon Antonio Vargas. So this story is scary in that Marion, Kansas is violating, in, in that the police in Marion, Kansas are violating constitutional rights with possible illegal warrants based on non-factual evidence that a local restaurant owner involved in a nasty divorce had some personal details revealed to the Marion County Record, which is a local newspaper in Marion, Kansas. And it was, you know, given to them by an anonymous source. 
Now they think it was her ex-husband uh, because he's trying to get some stuff out of the doors. But they didn't publish the story. So the details are about her DUI and getting busted for driving without a license arrest that she didn't want publicized. Well, obviously. Problem is she didn't want to publicize because it could endanger her liquor license for a restaurant. The story didn't run in the newspaper, but someone told her that it was becoming common knowledge around the town. When the print paper printed a rebuttal of the rumors, she went to the town council, who got a local judge to issue the warrant. Local police then raided the newspaper offices and reporters in their homes and illegally confiscated all the reporting equipment and data, effectively shutting down the newspaper. All this stress has now caused the death of the 98-year-old co-owner of the newspaper and brought condemnation, for all, condemnation from all over the country. So now there's a little bit more to the story. As I said, there were more articles about this. And it appears that this newspaper was planning to run a story on the local police chief on why he had left his last job over sexual, sexual misconduct charges. So do you think there might be a connection here? You know, maybe an excuse to rate to to uh, quash that story and use it use it as a cover up for the other one. Kind of makes you think. The U.S. supposedly has federal laws against this kind of stuff, but in today's new United States, they apparently don't mean much anymore. And this one, come out of state of Alabama. Alabama Republicans refuse to create second majority black district. Lawyers. For lawyers for voters called Alabama's plan, which maintains one majority black congressional district, discriminatory. This is, again, coming out of the Guardian U.S. News. So it's no surprise. Alabama's famous for defying the federal government. They elected George Wallace for governor back in the 1960s, and he defied LBJ, who had to send federalized troops to force him to obey. So will the feds going to have to do that again on, uh, with the current spat? Well, time will tell. I mean, the Supreme Court ordered them to stop gerrymandering and create that second district. And they're thumbing their nose at the Supreme Court and the Biden administration and everybody else. And this one is kind of a, it's a political education story. Okay, a combination thereof. And this came out of a local newspaper up in Wisconsin called the Wisconsin Examiner. Wisconsin's Public Schools and the War on Democracy by Ruth Conant. It's another local story I found about how majority GOP legislatures in Wisconsin and around the country are touting fiscal conservation and taking away funding from public schools. So I told all of you guys about Idaho a few weeks ago and their state's issues with their public schools. Roofs falling in, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, this, but this story is coming from Wisconsin. They're not as bad as Idaho, but they're having some serious problems. So the only ones who lose from all this fiscal conservation is the children. This story says that Wisconsin has a $6 billion surplus in the state coffers, but they won't use any of it to fund the schools. So now the children got to suffer. And it makes you wonder what these red states are thinking. And this one here is... Like a, is, is a social injustice article from CBC News by Nicole Williams. Indigenous-led archaeology school disheartened after dig site vandalized twice in four days. School says it will be limiting public access to weekdays only. 
Although this article comes from Canada, it falls along with some of the same kind of damage that occurs at indigenous archaeological sites in the United States. Certain people have no sense of dignity or respect for the ancestors. Either they're a racist or want to disrupt anything to do with Native Americans or they think they can make money stealing the artifacts. It's easier to steal them after somebody else has already dug them up. So it's a shame, though, that the archaeologists have to hire protections from stupid humans. And how I'm, I'm kind of going you know, from here, I've got a bunch of immigration migrant articles. My next article came out of Medium.com by Walter Ryan, R-H-E-I-N. I won't apologize because my wife is an immigrant. The normalized messages, messaging of the United States is truly detestable. So this is a good article, an essay on how a lot of Americans think of people from other countries or on how on what a lot of Americans think of people from other countries. I, too, am married to an immigrant from another country. And given the attitudes of America in these days, I always worried about her, worry about her safety when she leaves the house. Living in the United States didn't used to be so scary, but it certainly is now. And this one goes overseas. And of course, everybody and their brother around the world has heard about all the migrant boats trying to cross the Mediterranean and how many people are dying and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they're dying by the hundreds. And it's because Southern Europe doesn't want them and they're doing everything to stop them from coming ashore. The migrants are so desperate and the smugglers don't care. All a recipe for hundreds more deaths every year. The body count is going to keep going up and more and, and as more, more, more wars break out over climate change and everything else, and it's going to drive more and more people up north. So the problem is, as we as I said before, the tropic zones in the middle part of the planet are going to become uninhabitable if this global heating keeps going the way it is. And pretty soon, everybody living in these areas are going to have to go somewhere. There's nowhere to go south, so they're all going to come north. And if you think it's rough now with all these hundreds of people coming across, wait till they start coming across in the millions. England had over 500 people cross the channel in one day. Sorry, typo on my part. The English are complaining that the French are just escorting them to English waters and letting them go. We're at refugees leaving the African continent by the hundreds of thousands. Europe is running out of room, especially England because it's an island nation. Well, England is complaining and doing everything they possibly can to keep these people from coming ashore. French basically are just giving them a pass-through, saying, no, we don't want you. Head over there. You know, England being, you know, as far west as you can go. And the northern countries in Europe, they're backing up and saying, we don't want any more either. So it's becoming a big problem, and it's only going to get worse. So here we go. More migrant stuff. Helsinki could become sanctuary city as Finland's right-wing government targets paperless migrants. This came out of Euronews.com. It seems that the new right-wing national government in Finland is getting some pushback from the residents and local government in Helsinki, which is the capital, over cutting health and other benefits from paperless migrants. They think it's inhumane. The national government doesn't want to pay for services for non-legal migrants. It's becoming a pattern for all right-wing-run governments around the world. Italy's doing the same thing, along with quite a few others. This is only going to get worse, and as in more climate and war refugees flee for a better life. And I talked about in the last articles, these people are going to just keep coming. 
and they're going to keep dying in the, and drowning in the water, but they're still going to keep coming. You know, I don't know what these European people are going to do. It's, it's going to get ugly. You think it's ugly now, it's going to get a lot worse. So my next article has to do with racism. I got a couple of them, actually. Three, three or four of them. Miss Universe cuts ties with Indonesia chapter after alleged strip searches. Women say all 30 finalists from Miss Universe Indonesia were unexpectedly asked to strip for body checks for scars and cellulite. And this came out of aljazeera.com. So it's another example of sanctioned patriarchal voyeurism. The company had every right to severe ties with the Indonesian chapter. It makes you wonder what else they were doing there regarding women's basic rights. So to give you a little bit of about this article, all these women were queuing up so that they could go to the the nation the nation's um, Miss Universe pageant, and they you know eventually decide who's who's going to represent Indonesia in, in the Miss Universe pageant. But they had all these men over there telling these girls they had to strip down to you know, next to nothing, basically to their briefs, and even more so in some cases, while they searched them for any kind of, any kind of body deformities that would uh, exclude them from the contest. I mean, come on now. You know, if, 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 they, if, if women only did this kind of thing, it might not have been so bad, but having, you know, a dozen men in there watching all this go on, yeah, I'd say they have every right to protest. And, you know, the head office of New York had every right to sever ties. I mean, what's this world coming to? Zoom meetings for indigenous voice volunteers bombed by people yelling racist comments. Swastikas were also shown in what organizers say were shocking and targeted incidents. And this came out of the Guardian.com Australian News by Josh Taylor and Ariel Balgo. So you remember when I said last week or the week before that Australia has a really big racial prejudice problem going back to the first colonizers from England. Now it's raising its ugly head again over this controversial legislation coming up for a vote soon. And what's going on is these Zoom meetings are being bombed, basically, by people yelling racist comments and stuff in the background and raising signs and all kinds of stuff. So Australia... You know, was obviously very upset about it, trying to going to try to do something. But it goes to show you what the white Australians actually think about indigenous people there. This one's from this one is actually it's the story is is coming from the UK, but it's about Ireland. So I'm going to read the title here: "Quote Deplorable Places: Colon Why One BBC Drama." is shedding light on Ireland's church-run abuse factories. This has come out of the Guardian.com TV and radio section by Joe Murtaugh. So uh, there's a new drama coming out in the UK about Magdalene laundries that abuse Catholic women and infants for decades. These state-funded Catholic church-run institutions imprisoned tens of thousands of Irish women and girls, forcing them to carry out agonizing unpaid labor for profit. Details of physical and psychological abuse have come out recent years, and they're still searching for unmarked graves at these former sites. The last one of these institutions didn't close until 1996. These places were kept secret from the general populace, unless you were an unwed mother, a raped girl, or considered a burden to the family and given under the church's care. 
Families of the victims knew what knew, but were told to shut it by the church and the authorities. This movie is another of several that have come out bringing this shameful secret to light. And I'm telling you, that's a huge deal over in Ireland. Even now, um, they don't talk about it that much, but this guy is making a new drama over there um, in the UK. I don't think you're going to get to see it here in the United States, but you might in some indie you know, platforms, but you'd have to dig for it. Now I'm going to get into some fun stuff. My last couple of articles are all kind of fun. Um, my first one I picked up, and this one came out of CBC Radio. Loch Ness Monster Hunters gear up for the biggest Nessie hunt in decades. Last search of its size was led by the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau in 1972 by Abby Hughes. It's just an oddball story I picked up just for a little bit of amusement. Seems there's going to be a massive Nessie hunt on the loch and coming up in this next September using modern technology. It might be real interesting to check in next month to see if they actually found something. And they're going to be using sonar and all kinds of technology that they didn't have back in 1972. It'd be kind of interesting to see, maybe even pick up some bones. My next one here is, is kind of a feel-good article. and It's not necessarily amusing so much, but it's it came out as an advertisement, but I'm using it here as more of something to look forward to especially if you're an environmentalist like I am. This coffee pod is the first to leave no waste, and it looks like a chocolate truffle. Meet the food technologist behind Coffee Bee, who composted, composted the spheres right in her garden. This came out of www.fastcompany.com. This is by Jesus Diaz. This is only available in certain European countries now, but it might eventually make it across the pond to the Americas. A biodegradable coffee pod to replace Keurig and others like it, eventually. According to this article, a Swiss, Swiss food and beverage company came up with it after five years of research and development. The new special machine retails for about $180, maybe probably more in pounds, and the pods for about $3.85 American dollars for a pack of nine, and it's a bit expensive, but for this, you get a non-waste pod and exceptional coffee. Sales are very strong in Switzerland and France, so the company has started expanding into Germany. Keurig had better watch out. We got a new competitor on the table over in Europe right now. Me, I'm, for, I'm all for it. I hope it makes it across the pond over here. And my last article is an LGBTQ article. And it's a, it's a positive one. Montreal's Pride Parade draws record numbers in Day of Celebration. Around 15,500 people marched in the parade, says organizer. This came up from CBC News. It's a very good success story for LGBTQ plus groups in Canada in this year after being canceled over security issues last year in 2022. This is a model for the rest of the world to be more accepting of our human differences. So that's all the stories I have for you here in the first half. And I'm, I'm going to go and take a break. And I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Meanwhile, listen to my advertising here, and I'll be back shortly for the op-ed. Stand by. I want to take this time to bring attention to my website called On Crombiehaw at URL HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me. 
I have the RSS feeder enabled so interested folks can get a notice whenever I post something new. Within the website, I have a blog page where I post copies of my online blog articles and stories and a copy of the weekly podcast. There is a home page where you can learn a little more about what Ankrom Biha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little more about me in general. I also have a page with links to this podcast, another with links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you like my articles and stories in Medium.com and Substack.com, I have an option at the end of the blog articles to sign up for a subscription. No obligation. I also post weekly newsletters in each of, as a follow-up to the podcast every week with links to all the news articles and stories that I brought up during the shows. I don't want anyone to feel obligated to financially support my work, which is why I bring you the podcast for free. Medium does ask you to subscribe to read most of everything you see, though. You have the alternative to read the newsletters for free on Substack.com or on the blog on my website. Everything I write about will be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to sign up for anything. You don't, just won't have access to any other great writers there, but at least I give you a choice. If you enjoy reading, there are, these are some great choices you'll find where you like to read what you like most and dive in as much as you want. If you like what you read, feel free to comment on my website anytime. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. So my article today deals with nuclear waste, if you will. Most people have heard of nuclear testing that the Americans did in the South Pacific and any we talk in Kwajalein. I say most Americans have heard of this in some ways. I actually went, had been there in the 1970s, and I still have pictures of these islands. Now, this story of the French and the radiation fallout from their tests. These are just more examples of imperialistic colonialism, something the U.S. denies doing, and the arrogance of the colonial powers. Now, these poor Polynesians have to suffer the consequences for generations afterwards. Are these colonial powers going to own up to what they did to them? No. The publicity from the American experiments was hard enough to quash. It is doubtful that there will be much more reported on the sufferings of the French Polynesians because of French arrogance and the radiological poisoning for generations to come. It might cost them a lot of money and a lot of bad publicity. We should be outraged, but our outrage will go on deaf ears, much like everything else like this. Very few people around the world know about all this nuclear warhead experimentation. The Americans did theirs in the 1950s and the early 60s. The French carried theirs on for 30 years well into the 1990s, then denied it all for a couple of more decades afterwards. They are finally offering a minimal compensation that the inhabitants have to fight for. These atrocities carried out in the name of national security are killing indigenous populations in the South Pacific and, and, and giving them a slow death and a lot of suffering in the meantime. In this century, two generations later, the children are suffering from genetic deformities, chromosome issues, and all kinds of gene problems, all from massive exposure to radiation poisoning their grandparents and parents had no way to say no to at the time, much like those in the Marshall Islands from the Americans. Sometimes I wonder how my crewmates and I weren't exposed or had medical issues when I traveled through these islands in the 1970s. 
I can only imagine what these islanders, islanders have had to endure for the last several decades and three generations now. This is just plain arrogance. These people are being sacrificed in the name of imperialistic national security fears going back to the days of the Cold War with Russia. Due to the long life of these isotopes in the environment, this will continue to haunt these people for many generations to come, and there is nothing that can be done for them now except watch them die off very slowly. This is the type of arrogant behavior that has caused the current climate crisis and violent regime changes in Africa, the Middle East, and South America. Colonial nations thinking that they needed to interfere in somebody else's internal affairs because of their own national security paranoia. The U.S. is very famous for this, but Europe has had a longer track record of doing this going back to the 16th century. It's time for these arrogant nations to stay in their lane and leave, their, leave other countries alone. No more colonies. No more interference in other nations' political affairs. We all know why they do that. For the money. That's how they became wealthy nations in the first place. Exploiting less educated indigenous populations for their resources while telling them what they were doing. Treating these populations as lesser humans and stealing whatever they can get away with. It's still going on today. Some of it's being exposed, but a lot of it isn't, and these countries want to keep it that way. I'm for exposing every dirty little secret they're hiding from everyone. Like the story I'm giving you today. How many listeners know about this? I didn't until I read this expose by Al Jazeera. I only knew about the U.S. sites in Antiwitok and Kwajalein. According to this report, these aren't the only places around the world that populations have been exposed to nuclear fallout during all those experimental years. How many do you know of? So here's the article I'm referencing. And it's entitled, The Human Cost of France's Nuclear Test in the Pacific. And, and the, the Al Jazeera people are labeled 101 East. They investigate the effects of France's nuclear tests in French Polynesia. For 30 years, France undertook nuclear testing in Pacific territory, French Polynesia. In recent years, investigations have revealed the effects of the test were far greater than France has officially acknowledged. A total of 193 nuclear tests were undertaken, including 41 atmospheric tests that exposed the local population and site workers to high levels of radiation. Today, children across the Pacific Islands are dealing with the nuclear fallout. Cancer and other developmental diseases plagued new generations born after the last test in 1996. 101 East investigates the cost of France's nuclear tests in French Polynesia. Now, there's a, about a 25-minute video that goes with this story, which, again, will be posted in the newsletter for everybody to watch. I strongly, strongly recommend, that if you have any kind of sense of environmental activism, you read this and listen to this video. It will make your heart tug. I guarantee it. So that's all I've got for you this week. I hope I've given you something to think about as you go about the rest of your week. And, you know, my question of the week is here. It's, I'm, I'm going to keep it short. How outraged are you about stuff like this that goes on to people that obviously most people don't know? But they had no control over this. This was done with their knowledge, but they didn't know what they were saying yes to. And obviously these, you know, colonial nations didn't say anything. And remember what I said about Africa. When England and France and Portuguese and Dutch and everybody else went to the, the African continent to exploit all our resources, did they tell everybody down there what they were doing? No. 
And now you see with all these little wars going on, Sudan, Niger, and everywhere else, it's the cost of all of these colonial nations going down there and interfering and exploiting everything and doing bad things to the governments down there. All starting with these tribal nations, you know, back in the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. Of course, you know, slavery being a big thing back in those days. So I'm going to leave you with that. I want to say goodbye. And I, I hope I get, I hope everybody will listen to me uh, rant and rave here next week. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast episode will be free. can be found on many different platforms now, although some may have advertisers. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for the Village Oak Tree or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L, in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the Village Oak Tree during our time together. As a Shanghai, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more and nothing but happiness come through your door. Schlange which means goodbye for now in Irish.